Hi, I'm Larry Reed, and you're listening to the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to the show that gets Christians thinking about faith and politics. Get ready to challenge the status quo, expand your imagination, and tackle controversy head on. Let's stand together at the intersection of faith and freedom. It's time for the Libertarian Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. I'm Doug Stewart, and today we're going to talk about a project that I am excited to tell you about that LCI is launching in the very near future. And to talk about it with us, I have Jacqueline Isaacs. Jacqueline is a strategic director and co-founder for Bellwether Communications, where she works to craft measurable, well-researched content strategies for her clients to achieve their goals. She also serves as the firm's managing partner in Nashville, Tennessee. Jacqueline, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Doug. And so your your role at Bellwether came about, and we'll kind of get to that story, but really you're here because you're one of the authors of a book that LCI is having produced into an audiobook called to freedom. And we've actually had a conversation with you in the past and with Elise Daniel about the book. And so today we're going to talk a little bit more about it if our listeners haven't gone back and listened to our early episodes in our podcast. But um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how this book came to be, uh, which it started back in what, 2014? 2014 was sort of the initial inception of like, hey, we should write a book. <laughs> and yeah, we're working on the next iteration right now. It should be released very soon as an audiobook. And we're just really thankful for working with you guys at LCI. You guys have been involved and supportive from the very beginning. Um, Norman Horn actually wrote the foreword to our book several years ago when it was first being published. Uh, we came to one of the early... Christians for Liberty conferences hosted by LCI to talk about it and do some pre-sales for the book. And it's just been really great going through this process sort of with LCI along the way. And we're really excited about uh, launching the audiobook here soon. Yeah. And, you know, for listeners who haven't heard me talk about this book, this is one of those things where I kind of put off the book for a while because I was like, oh, I already kind of know the basic reasons why I should be. I don't I don't need the question. The, the subtitle is why you can be a Christian and a libertarian. I'm like, I already know this because, I mean, <laughs> I'm involved in LCI and, you know, I don't need to hear another reason. But then I read it and I'm like, oh, my goodness, there are like three dozen more reasons. I don't know. I didn't count them all, but like three dozen more <laughs> reasons why I should be a Christian and libertarian that I didn't know that I could communicate. So even if you're already a solid Christian libertarian or libertarian Christian, however you wish to refer to yourself, then you could still benefit from this book because it gives solid arguments in a number of, in a number of directions. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, so it started in 2014, the group of us that can, that wrote the book. There's six of us total. Five of us contributed chapters to the book. And then our amazing editor, Elise Daniel, corralled all of us and kept us moving forward to get the book done. So we started working on these ideas that went into the book for a panel at the International Students for Liberty Conference in 2014. Now, this is an annual conference put on by Students for Liberty. And in this particular year, they had a couple extra panels that they needed filled and reached out to us about coming up with an idea. And so we put together this idea about faith and libertarianism because we noticed there weren't any other faith-based panels at the conference, which isn't that uncommon in libertarian circles. And 
the panel event that we put together was specifically about the idea of coercion and is Christianity coercive, uh, which is a really controversial topic. And one of the reasons why people say you cannot be a Christian and a libertarian. And we didn't have particularly high hopes about this. It was like a 9 a.m. panel. And these college students are hanging out late into the night before. Like we just didn't think we'd be like all that popular, but the room ended up being packed out. We were pulling in extra chairs. There was such a positive turnout for people wanting to hear this conversation about being a Christian and a libertarian. And a lot of them just wanted to meet other Christian libertarians. They were interested in meeting us. They were interested in in the conversation with each other. And one of the questions that kept coming up was what books or what resources we would refer to people and recommend to people for them to learn more about this topic. And we just had trouble thinking of like a clear, succinct book that specifically dealt with, can I be a Christian and a libertarian? And that's when we came away from that conference thinking like, maybe we should fill this need in the marketplace and write this book that young adults, that college students um, who are wrestling with these ideas can take back to campus or take back home and learn that they can, in fact, be a Christian and a libertarian. I've been surprised at the number of people who come out to a Christian panel at a libertarian conference. And I suspect that it's because there is that need to have that conversation and people are, Mm -hmm. they kind of flock to it and they're like, ah, I just, if I show up in the room, at least I'll know that other people who show up are probably interested in Christianity or they call themselves Christians and and I can meet them because, you know, it's not like we wear, you know, it's not like we wear something that tells everyone else we're Christian libertarian, Mm -hmm. you know, when we're at these conferences. And there's definitely a difference. Like if you ever go to CPAC or any of the prominent conservative conferences, I mean, the faith-based community is out in force, right? There's a lot of Christian ministries. There's a lot of faith-based organizations, pro-life groups, et cetera, that show up at these conservative places. And it's very normal at a conservative conference to be a Christian and definitely not controversial, any means. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you go to these libertarian conferences, it's just noticeably different. You don't have as many Christian organizations that would go to these things. And that was something that we saw too. Um, a couple of the authors of the book, myself and Elise Daniel, uh, we used to work for the Institute for Faith, Work, and Economics, which is not necessarily a libertarian group, but it is a Christian group working on economics. And so we would go to some of these conferences and usually be the only Christian organization at some of these conferences, which is why we knew that it would be an interesting topic and probably one of the only panels speaking to that at the conference that year. So, you know, this kind of reveals a need for those resources. You know, you talked about your, you know, people are asking, well, what do we, what do we do? What do we read? Where do we go for more information? And of course, libertarianchristians.com has been around for over a decade and is now, uh, you know, has a repository of a ton of tons of information. However, people do want books. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that you contributed was to create that book because one didn't really exist you know, at least not in a very direct way, answering the question, you know, how do you be a Christian and a libertarian, you know, kind of together? Mm -hmm. 
So I was really, you know, of course, I was really pleased that that the book came out. I was also pleased after I read it and thought, oh, hey, <laughs> this is am- <laughs> this is amazing. Um, and so, you know, one of the one of the goals of the Libertarian Christian Institute is to be that source of information for Christians looking to spread the message of liberty for Christians who are searching and saying, oh, this sounds appealing, but what about my Christian faith and some of the things mm-hmm. about Christianity that I believe? What about Romans 13? What about this? What about that? Mm-hmm. All these what about questions because they're wrestling with the liberty message because, of course, it's so appealing. And so we've become that repository. But, you know, your book has done that as well. And there's now an opportunity for these to work together. So maybe you want to tell a little bit of the story about how the audiobook came to be and how LCI is more directly involved in that than we were in the print version. Yeah. So the book itself came out in 2017 and it came as a hardback and a ebook version, but not an audiobook version. Um, that just wasn't something that the publisher we were working with did. But in the year or so after the book came out, there was definitely, just like we saw a demand for a book to exist, we started seeing the demand for an audiobook version to exist. Uh, audio content generally is is really popular right now. Obviously, a lot of people listen to things like podcasts and audiobooks. And um, we had a specific person mention to us that they're an Audible subscriber and there weren't any audiobooks on Audible that were about Christianity and libertarianism. There was a handful that were specific about libertarianism, but there weren't any that dealt with Christianity and libertarianism. And that's where we began to see this opportunity to maybe be that first book on Audible to deal with Christianity and libertarianism. Uh, So we partnered with you guys at LCI to produce the audiobook and every download of the audiobook of Call to Freedom uh, will go to sponsor and support the Libertarian Christian Institute. Yeah, this is a great way to help LCI because the content fits together. LCI gets supported through the purchases and it's just kind of a win-win. And for podcast listeners, of course, you know, you already like listening to us talk about faith and liberty. And so there you go. There's another, I don't know, how many hours is the audiobook, Jacqueline? Uh, we're still finalizing it, but it should be between six and seven hours. Okay. Six and seven more hours. I mean, you don't have to wait. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That's a lot. That's a, that's a long, maybe not a long, maybe it's a medium road trip. I don't know what road trips go for these days, but (laughs) (laughs) that's a, that's a decent road trip. Um, so, uh, or a lot of workouts or lawn mowing time or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. So you got many, (laughs) many more hours that you can do. And so you're already like listening to audio content. So of course, podcast listeners, you'll be especially pleased to hear that we're releasing this. Uh, So once people download this book, Jacqueline, what should they expect to hear about? Yeah. So like I said, the book brings together voices from six different authors, seven if you include Norman Horn, who writes the foreword. And each of these authors are sort of telling their own stories about how they experienced their Christian faith and their libertarian political philosophy coming into conflict, either being told by a college professor that they couldn't be a Christian and a libertarian. I tell this story about how I was told from a coworker that I couldn't be a Christian and a libertarian and how each of us sort of wrestled with what that meant and why people thought you couldn't be a Christian and a libertarian and sort of how we 
worked through those potential conflicts and came out on the other side affirming very strongly that you can be a Christian and a libertarian. So one of the things that we try and make very clear throughout the book is that all of us are Christians first and libertarians second, that we're all libertarians because we are Christians. And the book is very much targeted towards people who are Christians and who are maybe struggling with understanding how to apply that to a political philosophy like libertarianism. So it it takes the Bible seriously. It takes church tradition seriously. We have our authors range from Catholic to Calvinist to evangelical. So how Christian thought from across the spectrum applies to a political philosophy of libertarianism. Um, but we also wanted it to be something that would be compelling and relevant to people who may not consider themselves Christians, people who maybe are on the libertarian side and are curious about Christianity and libertarianism, who maybe are staunchly objectivist or or you know agnostic and they want to know, can you be a Christian and a libertarian because it doesn't make sense to them? And so to those people, we sort of direct a very clear explanation of the gospel, right? In chapter one, we tried to put a gospel presentation so that someone who's not very familiar with the gospel or what it means to be a Christian can get that very clear explanation and even encouragement to consider Christianity. And we address head on that a lot of people that aren't Christians but are libertarians struggle with Christianity because it feels like authority. It feels like um, the kind of thing that a libertarian rejects. And we lay out why it's why it's different and why you can totally be a Christian and a libertarian. So our hope is sort of twofold. One, that these people that are Christians fully understand and become comfortable with being libertarians and can make the case for why they can be a Christian and a libertarian. But then also people that are not Christian can be exposed to what it means to be a Christian and the fact that that doesn't conflict with their political philosophy of libertarianism, if that's a, a big part of their identity as well. One of our authors actually provides a little perspective to this whole conversation um, by sharing his experience growing up in post-Soviet Romania and how, especially in the conversations with like social justice and um, democratic socialism, that's you know, everyone's talking about right now, that those kind of ideologies are looking to the government to be a savior and ascribing to the government things that should be ascribed to Christ. And he shares how in Romania, this conflict was very evident from the government um, cracking down on religion, cracking down on pastors and, and churches and trying to put them out of uh, the business doing what churches and Christians should be doing so that the government can come in and be the one that provides people's needs. So it, it's an, that's a, the last chapter in the book. So it sort of gives perspective to why this conversation matters, that it's not just about having intellectual clarity about why faith and libertarianism can be compatible, but actually understanding that, that what the stakes are, that if people don't believe if, if people don't understand 
the relationship between faith and libertarianism that you can easily go down this road of looking to the government as a savior instead. It's kind of like it's what reminds me of the Old Testament where the people of Israel thought that the idols were what they needed to turn to for security and protection and whatever else. And it was God who kept saying, Mm -hmm. no, 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 you just need to trust in me. I mean, and they even wanted a king and and Mm -hmm. we want to be like everyone else and have a king because that will make us in the terms of our day, that will make us feel better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And we we address that uh, chapter or that scripture specifically as well. And some of the other big ones, like you mentioned, Romans 13 and uh, some of the controversial ones. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's very, I was going to ask, you know, make sure everybody hears that we do talk, <laughs> that you do talk about Romans 13 in a book. And to be honest, I, I actually, it's probably one of my favorite treatments of Romans 13 because it doesn't just have, oh, here's the way to read Romans 13. It actually takes into account, well, there's a couple ways to read Romans 13. And if you read it this way, then here's the reason why it doesn't support anti-libertarianism. And if you read it that way, here's why it doesn't, it, it isn't against libertarian thinking. And so mm-hmm. it really kind of mm-hmm. addresses things from, from multiple angles. Mm-hmm. So Jacqueline, there's a reason you're on, not just because you're one of the authors of the book. <laughs> you happen to be the voice of the audiobook. <laughs> I and am. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So if you want to know what it's going to sound like, this conversation would be a little bit of that, although it's you. probably not quite the same as a conversation when you read. So uh, it'd probably be a good idea to hear a little behind the scenes. Uh, what was it like to record an audiobook? Was this something you've done before? Do you have any kind of you know, is this something you is brand new? And before I forget to mention it, if you stay on this episode beyond the credits, you will hear a sample of the book. So Jacqueline, tell us what this experience was like. Yes. Um, this was my first audio book. I had a little bit of experience doing voice work before. I'm going to do some podcasts like this somewhat regularly. I used to do some radio interviews and stuff like that, but I had never done an audiobook. And there were several things in the process that really surprised me and were learning experiences. Um, but in the end, we're, it was a really fun process. And I'm really excited that we got the chance to do it. Let's see, probably the biggest thing was the endurance. So I, I hadn't really thought about this, but recording an audiobook really is an endurance sport. <laughs> we... <laughs> We were in studio um, with our amazing audio engineer, Chris Williams, for three days. And I we recorded for about six hours a day. And a lot of that, I mean, we already mentioned that the book itself is six to seven hours, will be six to seven hours long. So obviously a lot of that was re-recordings or taking breaks or reviewing the content or whatever. Um, but it was about six hours in studio and I was standing the whole time, which I did not know I would be doing before and did not pack the most comfortable shoes. <laughs> um, but once we were, once we were recording, it obviously made more sense about, you know, expanding my diaphragm and being able to project and have consistent, you know, tone with my voice and everything. But, but yeah, the physical aspect of recording an audiobook. Um, was was sort of a surprise. <laughs> so next time you guys are listening to audiobooks, you can appreciate like this person was in studio for days. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine the the work uh, 
that work that it's involved doing this because I don't, I don't, the standing part was a surprise to me when you told me about that. I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes complete sense. But just in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, you, it's not the way it is, but it is the way it is. <laughs> that would be a lot for me too. And, and I wear very comfortable shoes. <laughs> yes. Something to know. Yeah. Shoes. So any, any other surprises about the process? Things you learned? Yeah. One of the, um, one of the the fun sort of challenging aspects of it was that, I mean, I wrote one of the chapters, but we had seven different voices, um, you know, not, I, I voiced the whole book, but seven different contributors with their points of view um, in the book, which meant seven different writing styles and seven different ways of, of structuring thoughts. And it was an interesting process to, you know, feel out how everyone was different and how to voice these different sentence structures and way people put together arguments. And it actually made me appreciate all of the different contributions so much more because you've got everything from very analytical to very sort of inspiring and motivational. And you can really get a sense of who each of these different authors are throughout the book. And hopefully I was able to capture that in the audiobook as well. Well, Jacqueline, thank you for your enduring hard work. Uh, we were in communication for several months back and forth about planning this and getting all the right things just lined up. And you, you did all the work that I would never, here's kind of a joke I couldn't stand to do. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> Pardon my poor jokes on air. But anyway, I'm really excited about this. And this is a project that's coming out very soon. And if you want to be told, hey, I want to be told when this is available for download, then go to calledtofreedombook.com and you can sign up for our mailing list. If you're on LCI's mailing list already, or if you're not sure you are, go ahead and do it. But if you're on our list already, we will tell you. Of course, we're going to tell you. But if you're not sure, go and sign up called to freedombook.com. Uh, we'll, you'll be added to our mailing list if you fill out your information and we will send you an email as soon as the book is ready for download. So thanks for joining us for another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. And of course, stay tuned after credits to listen to a sample of the book. Jacqueline, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Doug. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Libertarian Christian Podcast. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to rate us on Apple Podcasts to help expand our audience. If you want to reach out to us, email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. You can also reach us at LCI Official on Twitter. And of course, we are on Facebook and have an active group you are welcome to join. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Libertarian Christian Podcast is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, a registered 501c3 nonprofit. If you'd like to find out more about LCI, visit us on the web at libertarianchristians.com. The voiceovers are by Matt Bellis and Catherine Williams. As of episode 115, our audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com. Called to Freedom, Why You Can Be Christian and Libertarian. Edited by Elise Daniel. Forward by Norman Horn. Read by Jacqueline Isaacs. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible, English Standard Version. What God does is well done. Do not claim to know more than he. 
God has given organs to this frail creature. Let them develop and grow strong by exercise, use, experience, and liberty. Frederick Bastia, The Law Forward by Dr. Norman Horn We live in strange times. The Christian right in America is struggling to find its identity now that its dominance in the GOP is waning. The Christian left appears to be having a field day with the advent of its favored social programs, such as the Affordable Care Act. Yet the left repeatedly faces contradictions with core Christian values as the state ratchets up its power following every bit of ground it gains. Some Christians feel caught in that murky middle, not knowing exactly how to either engage with or retract from the surrounding chaotic elements of our culture. The confusion in how to deal with the state is palpable. Denying the encroachment of the state is becoming increasingly difficult anywhere you look. Interventionism and wars are the normative measures of foreign affairs, and America's already gargantuan military has become even more expensive than ever before. Worse still are the results. Blowback from interventions in the Middle East becomes more evident day by day as the refugee crisis continues and violence escalates around the world. We more frequently see examples of police violence as well as violence against police. Citizen confidence in law enforcement is at its lowest point in years. The war on drugs continues but never seems to solve real drug problems in communities. Taxation goes up as spending and social programs spin out of control. Regulations are unpredictable and burdensome, slowing economic expansion in many industries. Whereas the government once codified certain social mores in law, the same government now presses individuals and businesses to service those with whom they disagree. Power wielded unjustly in one way can just as easily be wielded unjustly the other way around. At the same time, interest in libertarianism has grown as the state continues consolidating power. Christians relatively ignored libertarianism in the 20th century, not for lack of libertarian Christian voices altogether, but for the overwhelming volume of the non-libertarian voices. Rejecting the teachings of the religious right in favor of libertarianism was completely anathema to most Christians until recently. Moreover, the specter of Ayn Rand loomed over the libertarian movement. Her strident atheism was frequently associated with libertarians, despite the fact Rand personally opposed libertarianism. The so-called libertarian moment may or may not be upon us now, depending on who you ask, but we are certainly seeing a renewed interest in libertarian ideas in the church at large. Libertarianism is openly debated on Christian radio, mentioned in Christian publications, and considered a realistic alternative to the left-right debate. Despite this uptick of general interest, Christians have always involved themselves in the progress of liberty and in the development of libertarian ideas. Whether we consider the Levelers, many of America's founding fathers, William Wilberforce's campaign to end slavery in England, or the genesis of many libertarian institutions in the 20th century— Christianity has been an important motivating factor for building a free society. Truly, lifelong Christian and consistent libertarian thinker Dr. Ron Paul 
has helped bring libertarianism into the forefront of political conversation with his 2008 and 2012 presidential campaigns, and his example continues to inspire Christians to think differently. But the battle is not even close to one, and Christians in particular must return with vigor to a passion for true liberty. The problem, in many respects, is the lack of synthesis of coherent biblical theology with sound economics and political theory. Theologians often lack knowledge of economics and political science, and therefore make errors of thought and judgment that lead them astray about the nature of the state, sound economic policy, and civil liberties. It is relatively easy to find decent ministers and theologians who erroneously think that socialism is justified in the Bible. It is far more difficult to find those who can explain the fantastic benefits of free markets. Libertarians who claim Christ, on the other hand, often do not feel confident expressing the theological underpinnings of a philosophy of liberty. An interpretation of Romans 13 that does not tacitly justify all government actions, for instance, is not something you typically learn in Sunday school. What shall we do then? The answer, as you might expect, is to heed the Apostle Paul's call in Romans 12:2 to renew our minds. Attending to both scripture and evident reason to understand how the world works and to realize that liberty is key toward a peaceful and prosperous world. Some Christians object that libertarian Christians are attempting to justify a human philosophy with scripture as intellectual cover. This criticism, however, could not be more wrong. Christians are now recognizing that politically conservative ideas do not match up well with theologically conservative principles. The state neither works effectively to build a free society nor promotes Christian witness and character. Thus, libertarian Christians are not inventing new theology or twisting the words of Scripture, but rather are recapturing the sacredness of the kingdom of God in a spiritual battle against the kingdoms of this world. This isn't a new idea. It's ancient. We are now in a renaissance of libertarian Christian ideas, and it is being led by young voices drawing upon the wisdom of old voices. This book you are listening to is a testament to that leadership. Elise Daniel kicks it off by talking about the political tension among Christians today. Jacqueline Isaacs addresses the basic question of compatibility between libertarianism and Christianity. Jason Huey surveys what the Bible says about the state. Taylor Barclay describes the danger of forcing the entirety of Christian moral codes in law. Leah Huey reminds us that free markets and property rights bring peace and prosperity in a manner consistent with Christian practice. Philippe Luca concludes with a passionate argument for liberty by describing the spiritual and economic poverty of post-Soviet Romania. All of these voices have demonstrated their commitment to Christ first, and that commitment inspires them to teach others about the virtues of libertarian ideas. We can be very hopeful for the future despite the evils of the state. Poverty is declining due to the bounty of the market. Antipathy toward the state and its abuses are on the rise. And of course, the freedom all Christians have in Christ brings certainty and full hope that our future is secure. 
It is, in fact, that security and hope that drives us to promote liberty in the first place. We can herald a new age that displaces the state and builds a freer, more peaceful, more prosperous world, not one with violence, but with love, service, and respect for all. Might libertarianism actually be the most consistent political position for a Christian? Continue listening and find out for yourself.